Hello and welcome to the latest Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, February the 22nd. This week we're discussing an LDL cholesterol genetic score for familial hypercholesterolemia. Earlier I spoke to one of the authors of the study and let's hear him now introducing himself. My name is Steve Humphreys. I'm the British Heart Foundation Professor of Cardiovascular Genetics here at UCL. For background purposes, can you just give some information about the genetic basis of familial hypercholesterolemia, and let's call it FH from now on, and explain the aims of this observational study that you've done? FH is a common autosomal dominant disease. It affects one in 500 people in the general population. So in the UK, we estimate there's about 120,000 out there. And the problem is that because people with FH have very high LDL cholesterol in the blood. They develop atherosclerosis very early and are at great risk of early death because of myocardial infarction. So about half of the men with FH will have had evidence of heart disease by the age of about 55. So we know that it's caused by mutations in three different genes. They're all involved in clearing the LDL cholesterol from the blood. The most common cause is a mutation in the gene for the receptor that actually grabs hold of the LDL and pulls it down into the liver. So it's then cleared, the cholesterol is broken down into bile and excreted. So when we take patients with a clinical diagnosis of FH that come to us from the lipid clinic and we do the standard molecular genetic test, we can find a mutation in maybe half of them, maybe 40% of them. Now, the key thing about having a mutation is that you can then test all their first-degree relatives, their brothers and sisters and their children. And because it's a single gene disorder, on average, roughly half of their first-degree relatives will also have have FH. So we know currently in lipid clinics being treated in the UK about 15,000 FH patients. So if we were to use this genetic approach, it's called cascade testing, family testing, we could probably find another, say, 30,000 FH patients. So you can see that that's a very powerful use of genetic information to be able to find affected individuals, treat them and prevent them dying from heart disease. And that's what the UK NICE guidelines say we should do because it's been demonstrated to be so cost effective. So what is the objective of this study? You're suggesting a different approach. Yes, the problem, if you like, is what's going on in the other 50% of people where we can't find a mutation. People have always said, ah, oh, there's one there, you've just missed it, for technical reasons. Or they've said, ah, oh, there must be some other gene. They've found three genes, maybe it's a fourth gene or a fifth gene. And clearly, if we could find a new gene, that would be very interesting because it would give us a new therapeutic approach to be able to lower cholesterol, not only in FH patients, but in the general population. So there's a lot of interest there. But I've always been sort of concerned at the back of my mind that that perhaps where we can't find a mutation, there isn't one to find. So that instead of there being a single gene defect, what these people have got is what I would call a polygenic cause for their high cholesterol. And that's what we set out to test in this study. And that's really what the results confirm. Thanks. And we'll come to the results, obviously, in a minute. But just before that, just very briefly, because obviously people can look up the details in the paper, just give us a bit about methodology here. Well, over the last five or six years, there have been a large number of genome-wide association studies which have looked to identify genes that cause high LDL cholesterol and low HDL and high triglycerides and all sorts of things, as you know. So a big paper came out in Nature a couple of years ago where they'd identified a large number of genes, almost 20 or so, where common variants are associated with higher levels of LDL cholesterol. So we decided we'd just use 12, 12 who are having the largest effect, and to genotype our patients with a mutation and patients without a mutation for these 12 
different single nucleotide polymorphisms, these 12 SNPs. And then we weighted the presence or absence of this raising allele by the effect size. So it's actually a weighted gene score. But essentially, it's simply adding up. So if you've got one copy of each of the LDL raising alleles, you'll have a score of 12. So some people, of course, in the population have got seven or eight only. Some people have got 20 of these raising alleles. And what you'd expect, therefore, is a very strong relationship between the number of alleles you've got and the LDL cholesterol that you've got in your blood. Thank you very much. Got it. So you were comparing a UK cohort with a Belgian cohort as well, weren't you? We carried out the study first in a group of FH patients from the UK, and we compared them with a healthy group of individuals, actually from a very famous study called the Whitehall 2 study, based on civil servants here in London. Obviously, the control group having no FH at all. That's right, yes. And so the first thing that we found was that when we look at the FH patients from the UK who haven't got a mutation, their weighted score is significantly higher on average than the healthy population. So really demonstrating quite conclusively that at least in the majority of these patients, you can explain their high cholesterol because of their polygenic contribution, the number of these raising alleles that they have inherited, which means that it's very unlikely that there's actually a single gene cause in those people. So don't look for it. And it also means that cascade testing from these people is not going to be cost effective because fewer of their relatives will have elevated LDL cholesterol. So that's really the main finding here that in our view cascade testing is not going to be cost effective in people where you can't find a mutation who've got a very high SNP score. We then went on to confirm the same effect in an independent sample of patients from Belgium and we're very pleased that the results were essentially exactly the same. So we're fairly confident that this is a true result. Obviously we're already talking about the result here but again just reconfirm the main findings if you would before we discuss the implications. In our view the data says that in patients with a clinical diagnosis of FH where we can't find a mutation in any of the three usual genes that in the vast majority, the reason why they've got high LDL cholesterol is not because we've missed a major gene, but because they've inherited a greater than average number of these LDL-raising variants, common variants. A cumulative effect of many alleles from different genes. Exactly right, yeah. I should just say that the cutoff for a diagnosis of FH is an LDL of 4.9, so that really is quite high. But you can get there simply by having large numbers of these common alleles, each of which is raising your cholesterol by, let's say, 10%, something like that. Okay, thank you very much indeed. And it should be stressed, of course, that obviously we're looking at the genetics here and implications, as you said, for the cascade, which we'll discuss in a sec. But we should just stress, whether you're monogenic or polygenic, in terms of treatment, it doesn't matter. You've still got increased cholesterol, so you still need intensive cholesterol-lowering therapy, i.e. statins. Yes, that's exactly right. I mean, all these people, by definition, have got LDL cholesterol over 4.9. That's why they've got the clinical diagnosis. They've also usually got a family history of early heart disease or certainly high cholesterol. And so they will all need statin treatment. But what you should not do, in our view, is put large amounts of effort into testing all their relatives if you can explain their high cholesterol based on this polygenic finding. So it's the old maxim of treat the phenotype, in this case the high cholesterol, but count the genotype. I like it. This is important though, and how easy is it to run a test in an individual to determine whether they are monogenic or polygenic? It's essentially no extra work. The way everyone is now moving in the clinical genetics a diagnostic field to doing this sort of testing is using next generation sequencing approaches. So for FH, you put together, if you like, a method which captures all the coding parts of the genome in the three genes where we know mutations cause FH, and then you sequence all those and you look to see if anything in that code 
encoding regions that's different from normal, if you like. So all you need to do is add information in that first capture for these 12 different SNPs. So you get it for essentially no additional cost and no additional time. It's a very simple then piece of bioinformatics to work out what their genome is. So really it's got no cost implications over and above the normal method for mutation testing which is going on. But in terms of cost saving, you're arguing that if cascade testing is restricted to monogenic LDL scores, then there are cost savings effectively. Yes, that's right. We still need to do some detailed modelling and even testing of this. But the logic is that if you say, okay, we'll only cascade test in the 40% where we can find a mutation, we won't in the 60% where we can't, then you're going to be saving a large amount of the money which you would need for a nurse and for calling people in and for clinic visits and all the rest of it which is needed. Clearly, the genetic test itself is part of the upfront costs that you need. And that's been one of the problems with getting genetic testing and cascade testing commissioned in the UK. It's been hard to persuade commissioners that this upfront costs now means that they will save money in three or four years' time, which is obviously the wait you have to do. You have to wait to prevent heart attacks that would have happened three or four years down the line if you hadn't found the relatives and lowered their cholesterol with statins. So that's part of the problem, costing in the region of maybe 300, 400 pounds for doing a genetic test like this. Final thought, should existing guidelines, be, such as the NICE guidelines in the UK, should they be altered based on these data, do you think? Well, I think it makes sense to have a good hard look at them. The thing with the guidelines, of course, is that they're completely evidence-based. I was involved in developing the original NICE guidelines published in 2008. It's a very rigorous process. The guideline committee may say, hmm, one paper isn't quite enough evidence for us to base this on, even though, if you like, it's supported by logic. We'll need to do some more research. And with funding from the British Heart Foundation. That's what we're planning on doing in the next couple of years. We actually want to take patients where we can't find a mutation, they've got a high score or a low score, and then do cascade testing, obviously just measuring LDL cholesterol in their relatives, and actually look to see what the detection rate of high LDL cholesterol levels is in these different relative groups. So that's actually the data that I think NICE would need to be convinced. But certainly it really is very likely that focusing only on the mutation positive group is going to improve the cost effectiveness of the this cascade testing. Great, we must leave it there, but it's a really interesting study and clearly we're going to hear a lot more about this important clinical issue, but that's Professor Steve Humphreys on the line from University College London. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. You're welcome. Many thanks indeed to Steve Humphreys and to you all for listening. See you next time.